the south. And Abraham, or Abram, was very rich in cattle, in silver, and in gold. And he went on his journeys from the south, even to Bethel, unto the place where his tent had been at the beginning, between Bethel and Ai. Unto the place of the altar, which he had made there at the first. And and there Abram called on the name of the Lord. The place of the altar. I'd like to talk to us today from this thought. Let's return to the altar. And before we're seated, let's just pray together that God would have His way in the remainder of the service. Jesus, I'm so thankful. It's a privilege to stand behind this holy pulpit and proclaim the gospel, the good tidings of of good news that Jesus Christ has come. I pray you'd anoint me to preach the word, anoint our minds and our hearts to receive, and let everything be done to the glory of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And you may be seated today in the presence of the Lord. It was 400 years ago, just this past November 11th, we celebrated 400 years that after 10 grueling weeks at sea with a, with a passenger list of 102, a crew of about 30, the ship known as the Mayflower dropped anchor near Cape Cod, Massachusetts. What drove those pilgrims to endure the hardships that that voyage brought them and the hardships that they endured upon arriving? To risk all to put their lives on the line for a new life on a new continent. History tells us, and they, they, made no, they, they made no secret about the fact that what drove them to seek new land and new country was a place they were looking for where they could worship freely. That desire to worship God freely without the shackles of government interference, without the shackles of government dictate, was the fuel that burned in them a passion to seek out a new world. In fact, in the words of one historian, it was their ambition and their intention to establish a spiritual Jerusalem in America. Before disembarking, they signed the Mayflower Compact, which set forth a resolution with a, with a rough legal framework to establish a sense of order among themselves here on the new continent. That following year, those who survived that first grueling winter celebrated a fall harvest with the indigenous peoples, a gathering that would be centuries later referred to as Thanksgiving Day, which of course we just celebrated. And so here we are today, 400 years later, still enjoying the freedom of worship upon which this country was founded. The great idea that we would be able to gather freely and worship in any way that we choose is still alive and well in our country today, and we are in fact enjoying it at this very moment. And I want to tell you today, among all the things that 
I'm thankful for in this Thanksgiving season, probably at the top of the list is the freedom to gather like we are today and worship God unshackled by government mandates and unshackled by, by anything else, but having the freedom to gather and worship Jesus Christ in the manner in which we choose. Are you thankful for that today? William Bradford described the moment that the pilgrims disembarked from the Mayflower, and he wrote this. He said, Being thus arrived in a good harbor and brought safe to land, they fell upon their knees and blessed the God of heaven who had brought them over the vast and furious ocean and delivered them from all the perils and miseries thereof. Again to set their feet on the firm and stable earth, their proper element. It is worth noting today that the first action they took upon leaving the ship was to go to their knees and worship God. In my reading of Bradford's description of that moment, I imagine them building a kind of altar. Maybe not a physical altar, but certainly setting aside a sacred moment or two to commune with God and worship Him for His favor. I, I just love the fact today that our country was built and founded upon an altar. An altar was what made our country great. And we can take it a step further and say an altar is what makes, or an altar is what our church or the church was established upon. And altars are where you and I were born again and founded and rooted and grounded in the kingdom of God. So my prayer today and my message today is let us never forsake the altar upon which we were founded, the altar upon which we were built. Let us return to the altar in good times and bad times and troubled times when we're seeking God, when we need answers and directions. It's the altar to which we must return. The psalmist, the psalmist spoke of the altar as being a place of strength and joy. He, he spoke of the altar with, with, with yearning and, and with longing to return to the altar. He wrote, Then will I go unto the altar of God, unto God my exceeding joy, because He knew the value of returning to the altar. Now in Scripture, the altar is a place of covenant. It's a place of worship. It's a place where we encounter God's presence. It's a place where we experience that one-to-one -one communion with God. In Scripture, it was a place of bloodshed. It was a place of sacrifice. You could say that the altar was a place where death took place. It symbolized an approach to and an acknowledgement of God. It, it really was, the altar really was a place where sacrifice became worship. And I think that's such a beautiful picture today because, because we bring our sacrifice to God and as we do, that, that living sacrifice turns into worship. And so today we, we find uh, this, this amazing story of, of the great, one of the great altar builders of Scripture, Abraham. He, he builds this altar uh, as he's called to leave the land in which he, uh, the land of, of, of his familiarity, the land he knew, his homeland, to go to a place where God would show him 
And he takes that journey and we find him building altars. It's, it's so inspiring. It's, it's, so, it's so uplifting. It's such a great example for us all to watch how Abraham, Abraham down through the scriptures built these altars. He, he has this encounter with God. And, and, and prior to the text we read today, he encounters God and, and, and he builds that very first altar. It's, it's Genesis chapter 12. It's the, it's the chapter preceding the one we read today. He, he has this amazing moment with God. God comes to him and he, God begins to make promises to him. He begins to reveal some of the plan that he has for Abraham's life. And Abraham is compelled in that moment to build an altar in Bethel. And, and so we read in verses 7 and 8, The Lord appeared unto Abraham. And here's where he begins making promises to Abraham. He says, unto thy seed will I give this land. And Abraham there builded an altar unto the Lord who appeared unto him. And he removed from there unto a mountain on the east of Bethel and pitched a tent, having Bethel on the west and Ai on the east, and builded that altar and called upon the name of the Lord. This is the first altar that Abraham built. This is the first covenant he makes with God in this moment. And it's interesting to me that he built it between Bethel, which is the house of God, and Ai, which means heap of ruins. And so somewhere in between those two extremes, those two places, Abraham finds a place to build an altar and to pitch a tent or to build a home. And there where he can see the house of God, where he can, where he can have communion with God, he builds this altar. I, I just imagine Abraham probably with, with, with some forethought, with some planning, with, with, with great effort, he gathers the rocks and he gathers the materials and he, he plans out this altar that he builds unto God, one rock at a time with great effort. And in that altar, at that place, he finds the sweet, sweet communion of God. He hears the distinct voice of God. I want to tell you today, church, show me a person who has power in their life, and I'll show you a person who has power with God. I'll show you a person who can stand confidently before men, and a person who sees answers to prayers. We need altars in our lives, especially in this day, especially in this moment. We need that place where we regularly meet with God one-on-one to fellowship with His presence and to hear from Him. An altar can be any, any place. It can be anything. It could be the front of this building, which we often refer to as the altar. It could be a favorite chair in the family room. It could be it could be a literal prayer closet. It could be a place in your room where you find solitude and get with God. Any place that you consecrate to God, any place where you experience communion with God is an altar. And it's an altar that we need in our lives. This altar in Abraham's life became a marker it really became a focal point, if you will, for the rest of his life. We find Abraham returning often to the altar. Uh, every decision he had to make, every, every, um, every, every crossroads he, he, he came to, it's like his life revolved around this altar. And in fact, it was in a time of adversity that we picked up the story today in, in, in Genesis 13. He had just come through a time of adversity in Egypt and we picked up the story where he returned to Bethel. He returned to that altar 
where uh, where he had met God, the Bible says where he had met God at the first and began to call upon the name of the Lord. It was it was as if something inside of Abraham compelled him. It was something that it was like something was was pushing him to return to that place of covenant that God had made with him. I, I just I can imagine Abraham just longing for the presence of God. There was, there was something inside of him, no matter how, how far he traveled, no matter how far he went, there was just something in Abraham's life that compelled him to return to the altar, to that secure place, to that safe place, to that, to that even place where he knew he could get his bearings, where he, could knew, he knew he could come back to, to square one, to point zero, to, to the north star in his life, and he could return there and experience direction in his life. I feel like the, the group that is here today, the, the folks that are here today, most all of us started at an altar. This journey with Jesus that we're on, we all started at an altar. You came to God at an altar of repentance, and your relationship with God has been forged at an altar of commitment. It was a life-changing place. It was a place where you felt the warmth and love of God wash over you and you were forever changed in the presence of God at an altar. It's the altar that, that changes us, that forges us, that makes us who we are. But perhaps there's some here today who, who like Abraham, had, had drifted off into to Egypt, had drifted off away from his altar. Maybe, maybe the cares of life, the, the anxieties and pressures of daily living have gotten between you and your altar. Maybe you feel like you're closer to Ai, that heap of ruins, than you are to Bethel, the house of the Lord. Maybe today there's a, a struggle or a, a sin or a temptation to be less than fully committed uh, that draws you away from your altar. I want you to know today that the amazing thing about building altars in your life is that you can always return to your altar. You can always return to the presence of God. And I found that, that when you get to that altar, when you make your way back, God is always waiting there just for you to return. He's always waiting there just to welcome you back into His presence. Doesn't matter how far you've drifted. Doesn't matter how disoriented you've become. Doesn't matter how, how cloudy your thoughts may be. But if you can just return back to that place where once you had experienced God, where once you knew the power of God, He's always waiting right there to welcome you back in. Today, today, I want to tell you that we live in a world of uncertainty. We live in a world that there's more questions than there are answers. There's things that I can't explain. There's, there's things I've asked men of God and they've admitted they can't explain that are going on in our world. And so I say today with great conviction and great, great heaviness of spirit that, that in these times where, where we don't know and, and the, the future seems uncertain, it's more incumbent than ever for the church to return to the altar. It's more important than ever for you and I to have an altar in our life, a place of security, a place of permanent fixture where we know that, that no matter what, we can turn back to that North Star, that we can turn back 
back to that place of security. When, when we feel uncertain, when we feel anxious, we know that the altar is the place where we can hear from God. We must make our way back to the altar. We're at a time now where, where social status is not going to give us the answers that we need. Our, our bank accounts cannot do anything for us. We've, we've found that the, the, the investments in the stock market are very uncertain. They're, they're up today and down tomorrow. We, we found that, that the, the holdings we have financially are very uncertain and they can disappear in a moment's time. But the altar is an anchor. The altar is a place of security. The altar is the place we can return to time and time again and hear what thus saith the word of the Lord to receive direction to receive wisdom, to receive strength, to go another day. It's the greatest cure for what ails our society. It's the greatest cure for the anxious thoughts that we have. It's the altar that we need in our lives. And I am convinced today that it is possible not just to survive, but to thrive in these uncertain times if we return to the altar. Abraham found revelation at his altar. It was at the altar that God appeared to Abraham the first time. And we talk about Abraham being the friend of God. We, we celebrate his great relationship with God. And perhaps more than any other mortal man, he, he seemed to have that connection with God that he was called, the Bible says, the friend of God. But I doubt today that that status would have ever been achieved by Abraham had he not built altars in his life because it was at the altar that God really forged that relationship and really revealed himself to Abraham. It was there through established habit of returning to the altars in his life that his relationship with God was developed. I love the, the story in 2 Chronicles. We, we pick it up where Solomon has just been installed as king of Israel. He succeeded his father David now, the, the third king now of Israel. There's, there's, great, there, there, there's great responsibility that's been given to Solomon. There's great expectation to follow in David's footsteps, the, probably the greatest king that Israel ever had. And, and Solomon leads the congregation of Israel up to Gibeon to the tabernacle that Moses had made in the wilderness. That's where Solomon goes with the children of Israel to that tabernacle. And the writer of Chronicles is important. He, he makes note of this. He, he notes that the ark of the presence of God is not in that tabernacle where Solomon and Israel have gone. The ark is actually in Jerusalem, still dwelling in a tent that David had made for the ark to dwell in. So why then would Solomon go? Why would the first place he would go after being installed king be to Gibeon, to the tabernacle, a place where it seems like the presence of God was not? The writer gives us the answer in verse 5. The, the Bible says that Solomon was looking for that brazen altar that Bezalel had fashioned way back in the wilderness when Moses commissioned him to build the brazen altar and the spirit of craftsmanship had come upon Bezalel to fashion that altar. 
Uh, and Solomon said, if I'm going to be king, if I'm going to lead this people, if I'm going to be everything I need to be, I am going to have to find that altar more than anything else. I want my reign as king to start at that altar, that Bezalel fashion. He sought out the altar of his forefathers, that altar that had seen innumerable sacrifices down through the years, the altar that was tried and true, the altar where God had manifested himself to Israel time and time again. It was that altar that Solomon went to and God revealed himself to Solomon. If you will, Solomon had his very own encounter with God at that altar. Not the encounter of his father David. Not the encounter that Moses had. But, but his own encounter where God revealed himself to Solomon. We talk and we've all learned in Sunday school the, the dream that Solomon had where God came to him in the night and said, ask whatever you will and I'll give it to you. And Solomon asked for wisdom. And God said, because you've asked for wisdom, I'm going to give you that and I'm going to give you a whole lot of other things too. But Solomon didn't have that encounter with God until he had first visited the altar, until he had first had that revelation from God. The point is simply this, is that if you want to become a friend of God, if you want to see more of God manifested in your life than you've ever seen before, I want you to know you've got to return to the altar because it's at the altar that we receive a greater revelation of who God is. He'll be there. He'll be waiting. He'll be waiting to reveal more of Himself than you've ever dreamed, than you've ever experienced before. But we must return to the altar. Abraham experienced Revival at the altar. I mentioned it in passing earlier, but when we picked up the story today, Abraham had, had gone into a little backslide, if you will. He had, he had gone down to Egypt, and it's interesting to me that, 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 that there, had, there was a great famine in the land. And instead of looking to the God of his altar for provision, Abraham took his family down to Egypt. And the Bible, interestingly enough, says he went down to Egypt. It was a, it was a downward journey. It was a, it was a backsliding, if you will. He went down to Egypt for his provision instead of looking to the God of his altar. Egypt in the Bible is always a type of, of sin or of the, of the world. And so we know that was not the place that Abraham should have been. And there he almost got into big trouble. He lied to, to the Pharaoh saying that his wife Sarah was really his sister. And, and Pharaoh almost took Sarah to be his wife and would have caused great sin and great, great confusion. But God intervened and saved Abraham and Sarah from that, from that mistake. And then the Bible says that Abraham came up out of Egypt. So we, we see him coming back out. We see, him, we see him returning back almost as a personal revival back to the altar that he had built at Bethel, between Bethel and Ai. And that's where we read today that where he returned to the altar that he had built at the first. And when he came up, he experienced a revival of sorts in his relationship with God. It was a renewing of that covenant with God because at that first altar, God had appeared to him and made promises and said, your, your seed is going to be as the sand of the sea and you're going to be father of many nations and, and you're going to have more wealth than you know what to do with and all these things are going to happen. And, and Abraham returned to that altar of covenant. He returned to that altar of promise and there he re experienced a revival of God's promise. He 
experienced a revival of his relationship with God. I'm so comforted by that today to know that even in, in, in our humanity, if we drift from the altar, even if we drift from our commitment with God, even if we find ourselves in a place we like to say sometimes where we're not where we need to be, that somehow if we work our way back to the altar, God doesn't take away the promises. He doesn't change his mind, but he's there to just pick up where we left off and say, I'm going to revive these in you. I'm still the God of the promises that I made to you. I'm still the God that's leading you where I'm going to take you because he that began a good work in you is always going to finish it. A return to the altar brings personal revival. Oh, you may have to you may have to to knock over some rubble and you may have to to push some weeds away from the trail to to get yourself back to the altar. But it's always worth going back to the altar and picking up those those precious promises of God. And, you know, today it may not even be a situation where. Where, where, where you're in, in, in a state of, of backslide or, or that you've drifted that far from God. You may be here today and you just may, you just may say, you know what, 2020 has been tough and I just need, I just need that fire on the inside to burn a little brighter. It, it, I still have a flame burning on the inside, but I'd like for it to burn a little higher. The great thing is, is when you return to the altar, God just has a way of kindling that flame and making it brighter and brighter. The last thing that Abraham found at the altar was a place of refuge. He found a place of refuge at the altar. It's interesting that Abraham, the Bible says, pitched his tent and built an altar. Do you notice the two kind of went in tandem? They kind of went together. He, he built tents and he built altars. Where there is a tent, there should be an altar. Where there is a home, there should be an altar. The psalmist wrote in Psalms 84, verse 3, he said, Yea, the sparrow has found a house, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young, even thine altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. The altar is a place where we find protection. We find a place of safety. It's a place of security for our homes, for our families, for our children. It would be years later, decades later, that Abraham's grandson Jacob would return to Bethel and experience the altar that Abraham had built, his grandfather Abraham had built, and have his own encounter with God. And have his own relationship with God. I want you to know moms and dads, grandparents, it's worth building an altar for our families. Who knows but what the altar you build today might be the altar that your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren return to one day and say, this is the altar of my parents. This is the altar of my mother and my father. This is where they built a safe place. A, a place of refuge, a place where I can hide in the cleft of the rock when, when the world is spinning out of control and when I don't have answers and when I don't understand. The altar is a place where I can come. I remember as just a very small lad, just a small boy, really too young 
even to understand a lot about church and a lot about what was going on uh, in, in life, really. But my dad, every, it seemed like every service, my dad would, would take me in one arm and my brother on the other arm, and he would always take us to the altar, the altar at the front of the church. And it really didn't matter if it was a Sunday night or a Wednesday night. It didn't matter how many others were at the altar with us. But he, just, he always took me and Steve to, to spend a few minutes after every service in the altar. And I, I look back on that now, and I, I realize that what he was doing is he was building a safe place. He was, he was, he was placing his young, if you will, in the altar, in that safe place of the altar. Years later, at that same altar that I received the gift of the Holy Ghost for the very first time, born into the kingdom of God. And, and then Steve, my brother, received the Holy Ghost at the tabernacle in Tioga, the place where they say more people have received the Holy Ghost than any other place in North America. But it was all because my dad was willing to place his children in the altar. I want to tell you, church, if we want our families to be saved, we must return to the altar. It is the only true refuge we have in this world. It is the only secure place for our families. It's, 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 the, it's the situation we're in now where, where we, could, we could have our kids in every activity imaginable and we could train them for good careers and we could show them how to have success in life. And we could, but, but, but if we never show them how to build an altar, if we never show them how to take refuge in an altar, then the spirit of this age will swallow them up. And take them away. So I'm calling on us today as parents and as grandparents to take our children before God and place them in His presence and in His care at the altar. It is the only safe place. If you'll stand with me this morning, the musicians are coming to lead us in time of altar. I, I want to challenge you, Ben mentioned United Family Prayer on Monday nights. There's no, that, that's a tremendous opportunity right there. If you, if you don't already have an altar built in your home, if you don't already have a time where your family comes together and prays together and, and you seek God together, United Family Prayer on Monday night is a great place to start. Set that time aside. Commit it to God to, 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 to seek God together as a family and see what God will do for your family and for your children and for your grandchildren. So, so as we encounter the closing moments of this service today, as we, as we prepare to pray together, what does it take to build an altar? What does it take to construct that altar? I mentioned earlier, I, I felt like Abraham went to great struggle. I, I think it took some effort. I think he had to plan it. I think he had to give it some thought. I think it took some a sweat of his brow to, to build that altar unto God. Well, I would just tell you today that one of the best ways to build an altar is to, is to take rocks. Take rocks. Take broken things. You know, in, in, in geology, they, they tell us that the, the rocks come from seismic events, sometimes volcanic eruptions that have broken and, and have taken things, uh, boulders and all, and have broken them down until they become loose rocks and gravel. And the application in our lives is so relevant, it's so true, that, that we can take those, those seismic events in our lives, those, those times of heartache, those times of trial, those times of trouble that seem to beat upon us and seem to break us up, 
We can take those events, we can take those moments, we can take those rocks and use them to build an altar unto God. We can, we can choose to either carry those around as burdens or we can offer them on an altar of sacrifice to God. I can tell you in my life, I can tell you in my life, I've, uh, my family, Fair and I, and our, our kids, we've taken great pains and we've taken great effort to build altars in our life. And I can tell you that in times of discouragement, in times of anxiety, in times where we didn't know what to do, we could take all that, that brokenness, we could take all that uncertainty, and we could bring it and put it on our altar. And there we would find the strength from God that we needed to go forward and to find that secret place in Him, to find the courage and the strength that we need. So I'm just going to ask us today, if you're comfortable would you come to the front with your family? If, you, if your family is here, would you, would you just gather them together? And, and we, can, we can social distance by families today and just find a little place to yourself with your family. And let's use this Sunday after Thanksgiving to, to just rededicate our families to God, to, to rededicate ourselves to God and committed to a family altar. I'm committed to, 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 to building a place where, where I can find security and safety in the altar of God. Would you do that, church, today? Would you come with your family? In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. That's it, Grace Church. You're doing good. That's it. Look at all these beautiful families that are coming today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, yes. All over the building, families are building altars. We're rededicating ourselves to the Lord. We're giving ourselves to God today. That's it. That's it. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. God, we just give ourselves to you today. Lord, we dedicate our lives to you today. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. God, every family of Grace Church, God, let us be dedicated. Let us be committed. Lord, let us find security in you. Let us find safety in you. Lord, let, let, let your presence be the cleft of the rock. Let your presence be, Lord, the, the, the thing that we need to get us through uncertain time. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Lord, I thank you for what you're doing right here in this place.